Hello, and welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we invite you to join our journey to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lavelle with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is episode 27 of our podcast. If you've been paying attention, you've heard of MyVeloFit, the world's first AI-powered online bike fit assessment system. No, it doesn't adjust your bike for you, but if you are looking for an inexpensive way to get an expert opinion on your current fit or to guide you in your fiddling around with your own bike adjustments, MyVeloFit is exactly what you've been looking for. It's what I've been looking for. No in-real-life bike fitter can afford to let you come back every day to assess every tweak you've made to your bike. But with MyVeloFit, you can get as many assessments as you want as you go down that vague path of fitting your asymmetrical body in its varying state of fitness, health, and skill in operating a bicycle onto your symmetrical bike. You owe it to yourself to listen in as Jesse Jarjor, CEO of MyVeloFit, tells Glenn and I about how his system works and how you can use it to improve your position on your bike for greater comfort, better health, and possibly more power. Let's talk to Jesse. Today, Glenn and I are joined by Jesse Jarjour of MyVeloFit, the recently publicized world's first AI-powered online bike fit. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, Welcome, Jesse. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to this one. Jesse, so I understand you are an expert bike fitter. I read that you hold certifications from Retool, Trek Precision Fit, and you have a level two certification from the International Bike Fitting Institute. And in your own bike shop, you believe in and use a lot of technology. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I do use a lot of technology. I'm, I'm a tech guy, and I think it's a, a great way to quantify the fit process. I know there's a bit of a movement back away from the technology, but I, I do think really being able to quantify what's going on with a body uh, is the best way to have repeatability for fitting. Sure, sure. And there's no doubt that there's an art to it. It's not just a science exactly, but I'm sure that the technology helps. Let me ask you, why did you decide that an AI fitting tool was a need in the marketplace? Oh, I hope we have enough time for this one. <laughs> there are quite a few different things. So one of the, the biggest uh, issues that I see with people coming in for their first bike fit is just they're coming in from such a unsound starting position that there's only so much I can do when we do the bike fit. They're they're coming in in these positions where, you know, they're off by, you know, multiple centimeters in seat height. Their handlebars are, you know, significantly in the wrong position. So when, when we get to the bike fit, I'm spending all my time, you know, there's a position I'd like to get them in, but it's so far different from the one that they're in that there's not really much we can do in that session. I have to start by getting them into kind of a sound position and then see. So one of the reasons I found that this would be helpful is for people to kind of be able to get into that good starting position to begin with and then get those kind of millimeter fine tunings either done by themselves with my VeloFit again by going back and reviewing or when they come in to see a person, they're at least most of the way there and you can fine tune them from there. Interesting. So it's sort of, if I'm reading between the lines, it's sort of started as an efficiency tool for your own in-person bike fitting business. Yeah. So that, that's part of it. And then the other part is people were traveling to come see me for a bike fit, or, you know, you're getting these questions 
hey, where's the, there a good bike fitter close to me? And I mean, there's a lot of good bike fitters out there, but everybody's not close to a good bike fitter. So this is a way that on your own at home, you can get uh, a good position on your own. Well, and you didn't mention, but I'm sure it comes up. Some people, the only bikes that they ride are like a Peloton bike, a bike that would not really be easy to get <laughs> to you, right? It shows yeah. up in the mail and they assemble it and they have to get it set up. But a an online video format would be essentially the only answer, wouldn't it? Of course, yeah. And we're seeing a huge uh, number of people using it on exercise bikes like Peloton, like Echelon, the kicker bike and the Neo bike as well, the Tax Neo and the Wahoo kicker bikes, um, where it's just difficult to move those things, right? And these days, it's difficult to have somebody come into your house as well and set you up for that. And it would be probably expensive to get a fitter to come to you. Um, so yeah, we're getting yeah. a lot of, uh, people using those to set, uh, you're using us to set those up. Awesome. Yeah. I can remember a hundred years ago when I was, only thing I was doing was a spin bike class that I would do a couple of days a week, you know, and it's these gross adjustments that you would make to the bike. And I had no idea <laughs> how I should set that thing up. So yeah, bike fitting. Well, so I tried my VeloFit myself. I found the system to be very thought-provoking as because I'm not a beginner. I've been fiddling around with my bike, and I've actually had some bike fits, but I sure found it useful for getting an independent perspective to ground me in my own sort of wanderings as I fit as I've been fitting myself to my bike. It's kind of amazing if I were to actually believe that a computer did that all by itself. Can you tell us how it works? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you mostly about how it works. So there's there's a, a few different aspects. So we say AI, and I get emails pretty regularly with you know AI developers and and software. And there's a ton of people in tech that ride bikes, uh, and they're you know they're asking about the AI. They're they're wondering what style of AI, and it's. It's a very broad and can be misleading term, uh, AI. So we use a couple different approaches. So one is the uh, a branch of computer vision called pose estimation, where we're, when you get your bike fit at a studio, if they're using motion capture, they're putting markers on your joints. Right. What we've done is we've trained a model to identify where those points should be and determine where they are on their own. So it's a deep learning algorithm that says, this is your elbow, this is your knee. And then it, and so instead of having markers on your body, our system determines where those should be mm. uh, on their own. So that's, that's one aspect of it. And then we use kind of another aspect for determining what your position should be. And that's where we look at generally accepted ranges, but we also customize that with your either self-inputted mobility or your uh, mobility assessment where we use the pose estimation to analyze your mobility uh, and then generate a set of ranges for you. So that's kind of more of a, maybe a little bit less AI and more just like deep computing where we're, we're going over a lot of uh, numbers in a table and saying, this is where you should be. Uh, and then we're giving a range of positions there. So what this allows you to do uh, we're going to give you recommendations to get into that range, but 
you can also fiddle. And now you have the freedom to fiddle without kind of the restraints of a bike fitter saying, this is your position, uh, where you have a, a range of acceptable, we'll say knee extension angles. None of them will technically be wrong, but you do have probably for a given person, eight to 12 millimeters of a height adjustment where you will be in range. So the, the system will kind of get you into that range. And then you have the freedom to be like, well, I'd like to be at the bottom of that range, or I'd like to be at the top of that range and adjust on your own. Can you walk us through for the benefit of the listeners? What do they need to be able to do this? How do they do it? I mean, I, I know for myself, all I ever had was my bike, which was already on a trainer and my phone, my, my mobile phone that had a video camera on it. I mean, is that all they need? What do they need to do? Yeah. I mean, a, a thing to pedal on that's stable. So a, a trainer rollers, we have a, a, like one caveat on rollers that I'll touch on. So rollers, a trainer, an exercise bike. I've had a couple people leaning up against the wall and backpedaling who have gotten decent results, actually, which I was really surprised about. You'll lose a little bit of accuracy because the ankle flexion is going to be different than if you're actually putting force into the bike. Okay. Um, And then you need a way to get the the video onto the internet. So either your phone, we, we have some trouble. There's something with GoPros that they get out of sync for some reason with our software. So it works, but it's visually, it doesn't look right, uh, which we're debugging. Okay. But uh, most phones we've had no issues with, digital cameras as well. Uh, yeah, and, and, and an internet connection and, and you're good. I'll just speak from my own experience in having done it. It's not an app on my phone. It's I just followed the instructions on how to take videos. Of course, the videos were long because I didn't have anybody doing it for me. I mm-hmm. set it up myself and then pressed record. And then I walked over and got on the bike and you had specifically said, don't send us a video that has that stuff in it. We just want you for 10 seconds on the bike. So I then pulled up whatever was on my Mac for editing a video and I just chopped. And I think I didn't even need uh, any extra software. I think I could have done it right through just looking at the video uh, and just chopped it down to 10 seconds that I wanted. And then I went to your website and uploaded it. And so it was really sort of painless except for getting the video is tougher than you'd think because my bike is where my bike is and you know and I don't have a tripod and so I had to figure out a way to get my phone to sit on something that would be about the right place and the right distance back so that everything would be in the frame and the first time my head was cut off and then the second time my hand was cut off and then the third time my foot was cut off and so (laughs) I just kept having to Get, and the key really, it seemed to me, because I did end up having some problems, was if a person was looking at the video, the person would say, oh, I know what happened. But the computer is not a person. It has, yeah. if it loses sight of the hand or it loses sight of the foot, it's, you don't have a foot. And so you've really got to make sure that video captures you fully for the entire time. Yes. Yeah, so you, you hit the nail on the head there, Joe. The, the hardest thing about this has been ensuring that people upload the correct content. Uh, and it is really that the computer can't make things up. It uh, can only see what it sees. And if if something isn't in the picture, then it, it doesn't measure it. Uh, and because it's expecting a certain content, 
if we don't get that content, it, things can get a little bit buggy as much as we'd want to not have that or have it notify somebody. It's just a, a massive debugging process. And we'd currently would rather work on features and getting rid of those things. And we just kind of have to expect people to follow the uh, instructions. And my partner and I uh, spend quite a bit of time fixing videos for people that uh, uploaded them either. The big one is either too long. So it has them getting on or off the bike. Yeah. That, that's kind of the major one is, and that's the only thing we can really fix. Every phone that I'm aware of, when you take the video, you can just click on it and trim it right there. Yeah, And that's the easiest uh, method. And then what a lot of people are doing is, you know, I had somebody last night who's like, oh, you know, it's so annoying to get it off my phone, onto my computer, and then trim it, and then get it up. So you can you can trim it right on your phone, and you can upload it right on your phone. Just go right to the website, sign in, and upload it right on your phone. Yeah, yeah, that certainly makes it easier. Yeah, it's the easiest way to do it. Cool. Well, it was funny. I read on your website your personal experience, and when you first bought a bike, or were sold a bike, it was the wrong size. And then you had chronic injuries from at least partially from having poor bike fit, which led you to becoming a bike fitter. I can understand how that could happen. It's really a mental puzzle. My story, except for the part of becoming a bike fitter, my story is somewhat, it starts in somewhat the same place where I got a bike that didn't quite fit and wasn't really suited to what I wanted to do. I'm not really blaming anybody for that because I wanted to buy a bike that was on sale and I did. Yep. And the shop just was willing to sell it to me and not far as I can recall, warned me that I was making a mistake, but you know, and I got a couple of fits, but I was coming from a mountain bike, which I had sort of ridden forever and getting onto a road bike. It really was a shock to my body to have to do that. And so, like you were saying, it's not just a matter of getting the bike to fit me, it's getting me used to riding on that kind of a bike too. And so, there was this journey I had to go down and, and largely I just did it by myself, just fiddling with it, reading magazines and stuff, working on my core and riding the bike a lot and getting stronger and being able to tolerate that more aerodynamic position and ride on the bike long periods of time. And then fiddling with the seat height and with the setback and with the stem length and with the angle and with the spacers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just it's this Rubik's cube problem to solve over time. And I guess that that's why your system appealed to me so much because I could, I could see how all those years with me fiddling around, not really knowing, you know, sort of like a pilot flying in the cloud. Sometimes you start to lose faith that your instruments are working and you're just wondering. And the system like yours really helped me to think, okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm good here, but there's where there's probably something for me to work on. But what would you say? How would you suggest people use the system? I assume you're not saying people should stop seeing bike fitters. No, uh, kind of no. Um, <laughs> I think, I've been fitting bikes for over 10 years now, and I expect to continue to fit bikes for the rest of my career. It's something I, I take a lot of joy out of. Uh, it's an incredibly rewarding occupation, and there's a lot of really good bike fitters out there. What I think with about, it's tough to give a percentage, but 
the studio I work out of, we get a lot of first time riders or, or early, early career riders. Yeah. And for a lot of them, I think they would benefit just from doing this first, getting into, I think this is kind of the first step to getting fit on the bike. Okay. As you get this, you get into a normal position and then see how that works for a lot of people. That would be great for a lot of people. They might have to tweak it a little bit on their own. And our system enables you to kind of tweak it without, you know, you can still see the ground and you know, you're on course, you're not getting kind of way out of into the weeds, which a lot of us, I'm sure a lot of listeners and a lot of probably the two of you, and I know I've done it. It's like, oh, I'm going to adjust my seat height. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're like, well, I don't know where I was to begin with. Yeah. So I can't go back to that. And now I know my seat height's wrong, but I don't know what's wrong about it. So this kind of lets you kind of stay within, stay on course, but kind of tweak the headings yourself. And then if that doesn't work, then you go to a bike fit. Yeah, I, I have a story like that. That's pretty funny. I I remember somebody told me, you know, when you're not grounded and you don't really know what you're doing, you take little tidbits of advice from credible people. <laughs> you take those dots and you draw whatever animal those dots fit into. And I was told, oh yeah, the higher your saddle, the more power you have. That that was the statement. And I thought about that and thought about that. And, I, and this was over the off season and I'm focusing on track at this time on the velodrome and I'm riding on the rollers every day. That's essentially all that I was doing was, was riding on the rollers. And I said, well, I'm just going to keep increasing it a little bit and see how it goes. And over time, I increased it an amazing amount. But I was still very smooth on the rollers. And I thought, I bet I am an animal on the track now. I will be so strong, according to this rule from a very credible source, the higher the saddle, the more power you have. And I was so enthusiastic and went to the track the first day it opened and I went as hard as I could around the track and I came off the track looking for the accolades for this. Wow, Joe, <laughs> you are amazingly fast this year. And the only thing I heard was, wow, you were all over that bike. You were wobbling yeah. back and forth. And, and I was like, yeah, ah, heck. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest one that I, we're getting kind of feedback on is the people coming with, somebody told them their legs should be straight at the bottom of the pedal stroke. Uh, I think if there's one kind of quick and dirty way to get somewhat near, there's not scientific at all, but it's the straight leg with the heel on the pedal might get you somewhat close, but somehow that got turned into the straight leg clipped in at the bottom of your, as your satellite because we see it all the time. Yikes. And then when you bring people down into that normal kind of range, and our, our ranges are kind of based on your flexibility. And if you don't have great kind of lower body flexibility or mobility, you're, we're not going to run a high saddle. Uh, and if you do it right, there's not a huge risk for injury as long as it's, we're not way too low. And it's just going to be more comfortable and theory just as powerful. And, but we, we put people like that and because they're so used to a high saddle, they just, it blows their mind. They can't handle it. They, you know, they keep wanting to creep up, but if you just give it a few weeks to adapt nine out of 10 times, you're going to be more comfortable, more powerful, you know, more stable, as you said about being all over the bike. Yeah. 
Yeah, the two things that I wish nobody would say is raise your saddle for more power and slam the handlebars for more aerodynamics. <laughs> there is, you know, a point where that works, you know, getting lower uh, on the front end will help to a point, but you get too low and then that head pops up and yeah. you kind of start to lose it again. Right. Yeah, so much to learn. That's great to have that kind of a technology to help you make sure you're not running off the rails. So how is it going? Are you getting plenty of business, plenty of people signing up for this? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not sure if when you were uploading, if we were still having server problems, but we, uh, we've we done better than expected, significantly better than expected in terms of uptake. And uh, I was kind of, I, maybe I'm a bit of a pessimist, but I was expecting people to be picking apart aspects of it. But we like, all the forum posts about it are great. We're getting great media on it. Everybody that I'm getting tons of emails. I love getting these emails where like, this is great. This worked really well for us. My favorite thing, because I'm not a software engineer, I've my coding background was when I did an economics degree and did some modeling. Uh, so I kind of pivoted to learning computer vision and all that and then putting this together. Uh, and I have software engineers emailing me saying how great they find it. So that's that's pretty huge. Nice. And uh, I think any time you launch a new product, the early adapters are typically tech people. Huh. The tech people have been really happy with it, and they're the most kind of picky too. So I've been extremely happy with uh, with it. We've had some industry contacts reach out to us about trying to find a way to use it with their products, uh, and that's that's pretty cool as well. Fantastic. Well, I guess we'll be. Yeah. hearing more about this in the news then yeah hopefully so jesse is there anything else that uh i didn't hit on that you think is important for people to know about in terms of uh, like kind of ai powered bike fit and enabling people to kind of figure out their own position i think people should feel free to kind of experiment one of the things that as bike fitters were kind of trained to do is to almost discourage people from fiddling with their position. Some some fitters will kind of give people a window to it, adjust. Others won't. Others will say kind of, this is your position. Don't touch it from here. Uh, I think as riders, we, we change a lot over the course of the year, uh, over the course of the training season. Assuming you're going through some sort of either like weather-dependent periodization where you kind of ride less in the winter or you're a training periodization just to to adapt better. Um, you're going to be at different fitness levels from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, uh, or the beginning of the training season to the end of the training training season. Yeah. So, this sort of thing it enables you to to play with your your fit a little bit, and I think that's something that's not talked about enough. That you are a different rider throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, so when you've been off the bike, when you have a little bit of extra weight after, you know, the Christmas season, uh, you might want to be a little bit more conservative to get those miles. in. Uh, and then as you kind of get into prime season shape, you can probably achieve a lower, longer position, maybe a touch higher saddle as well. Huh. So this is something that kind of lets you play with your position and enables you to play with your position a little bit more, but still keeping it in the kind of that fit window that we talk about. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I mean, obviously I mean, we had already talked about how your position 
changes over time in your career, you know, from when you're a beginner mm-hmm. as you get fitter and your demands on the bike get higher. But you're saying just within the season, if it could even be there's a bike fit for if you're going to go do 120 mile, 10,000 foot climbing rides, then that's probably a different setup than if you're going to go do some 45 minute crits. Yeah. And I mean, we see that the the biggest area we see that in is like the, the TT bike, right? Because a 15K or a 10 mile time trial versus an Ironman. I mean, they're, they're similar bikes, especially now they've kind of converged onto a pretty similar geometry from one TT bike to the other. But the, that that position for, for 99% of the people should be drastically different. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. that is always I've always wondered about, one of the advantages that I always thought I should be able to get by working with a bike fitter, but never really seemed to get it, was the ability to play with the position and then not just test how it felt, but test the results. Can I produce more power now? Because power, I guess, in the end is sort of the, I don't know, it's its the foundation of everything that you want. I mean, people, of course, people want to be fast. That's what they want. But that's so variable based on everything else. Power is, is one of those consistent things that power curve is sort of it that underlies everything that you might do. And so you're looking to improve your power curve and people do a lot of work to try to improve that power curve. If if you could just raise your saddle three millimeters and get 10 watts, well, that would be awesome. If you could do that as opposed to fiddling around with it and all you end up doing is tweaking your knee. What do you think about this idea? Yeah, there's a there's a few things that kind of uh, come up there. And, and we talked about it a little bit when you were going through your, your fit. But one of the things things about power it, it kind of depends on the duration right so the the power requirements of an ironman athlete is different from a kilo uh and it's different from a 15k time trialist to a crit racer so there there's kind of uh, going to be different requirements fit wise for that uh one of my favorite conversations and i can't remember where i heard this or where they were talking about it was uh machu vanderpool's fit yeah, I don't remember who was saying it, but they're basically saying his fit for power is kind of irrelevant because when he's making his move, he's a cross racer, right? He he is out of the saddle, flailing around, doing everything he can to wrangle that bike so it can handle the power that he's doing. Yeah. But what's important for him is that when he's doing his you know his training and everything and doing those his breakaways and and that longer kind of duration efforts that he's not injuring himself and that he's kind of, you know, in a, a good position that way. Not that fit, of course, is is irrelevant, but like the, those race-defining moves, it's not kind of fit-dependent there. Okay. Uh, the other thing that, that brings up is testing power production in changed positions. Yeah. So when you change a position, depending how long you've been riding in that position for, it's difficult to accurately and repeatedly test is that more efficient because there's adaptation to the the position right you as a fitter i always love when somebody emails me and they say oh yeah i just did another you know uh, ftp test or whatever the ramp test or whatever method they and i got 20 watts and it's like 
I'll take it, but I don't think that that's necessarily solely because of the fit, because uh, there could be a lot of different things going on there. Uh, and I always let my clients know, you might see a power drop after a, a change of position, but we'd expect that to at least come back uh, to where it was after a couple of weeks of riding. To circle around to the bike fit side of it and the MyVeloFit app is it will let you, uh, no fitter around will let you, you know, come to their studio you know, five times a week right, right. <laughs> to check to check your position. Whereas here, you can kind of make tweaks, test it out, come back, check the position, change it again, test it out, come back, check the position, change it. So you you can you can spend all the time in the world. And I have people. I'm actually I have somebody who's been on the site for two weeks, maybe, and I think they've uploaded thirty videos. Wow. Yeah. And they, and so I, I reached out to them as like, I just want to make sure everything's okay. And they're like, yeah, everything's great. I'm just trying different positions and seeing which <laughs> ones I like. And they're, they're, they're trying a lot of different positions. Well, that's great. That's it Sounds like he loves it. Yeah. I, I hope that answered the, the question there. I think I might've gone on a, a tangent. No, no, it was, I think the answer is maybe I can summarize it. The answer is that it's tough to change a position and see if you're more powerful. You probably could do that if you were if you were out of the normal ranges, just from a normal mechanical efficiency point of view, you probably could see something. If your seat was way too low or way too high, then yeah, you probably immediately are going to see better power. But if you as long as you were in the range, your body has gotten good, has adapted to has gotten strong at producing power in that position. And now you've changed it. So even if it is ultimately going to be better, say it was going to be better for you for some reason, your body is not trained for that position. So you've got to get exactly. trained in that position and that could take a while. So it's not just yeah. a minute by minute. How am I doing? Okay. Here's the best one. Yeah. And I mean, you see that too in your, your, so I'm just going through experimenting with a new position that I think I've, I have back problems. So I've been, I have to ride a pretty conservative position, but I also, I like racing crits <laughs> and I kind of would like to be in a more aerodynamic position. And, uh, but I've been in that old position for so long, even though I've done a ton of core work, a ton of mobility work, and I think I can do it. I'm just in agony and it's not, a, it's a centimeter lower and a centimeter longer. Not, not a huge change, but I've, I have probably 40,000 kilometers in my last position you know, like six seasons. So right. it takes some time and uh, I'm pretty sure I've lost some some efficiency there trying to adapt to it. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to deal with reality. Yeah. And it, I guess, it, you know, it, on my own and what I plan on doing is seeing if that position, maybe I do lose five watts, but I, I gain 10 watts in aerodynamics, like a 10 watt reduction in aerodynamics and it's worth it. Uh, and that's kind of a just another spreadsheet to look at really to figure yeah. that one out. And somewhere on your spreadsheet yeah. will have time in agony, which yeah. is, yeah. you know, not something to disregard entirely since we're doing it for fun. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, before the, the podcast, we were talking about back issues. And one thing that I've, I don't think it's talked about enough is we have the, you know, we all as cyclists know the concept of threshold but we don't really know or we don't spend enough time wondering or thinking about, you know, how being in pain 
kind of scrapes a little bit off the top of that threshold. We only have a, a certain amount of suffering in us. And, you know, if you're dealing with pain already, it, it mentally, uh, especially, I mean, some athletes are mentally stronger than others and uh, it can take, take a lot of, off the top. That's a very important point. Jesse, just this interesting thing. I noticed you mentioned earlier on that a lot of folks come to you and they're they're way, way, way off in terms of their bike fit. What was the number one thing you saw in most of the riders? Was it high handlebars, low saddle? What was the primary one? I mean, if I had to say one, I would say probably too high of a saddle. I, I think it, it's followed very closely by too low of a saddle. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the biggest one, and it causes the most issues, is the too high of a saddle. Like there's a, so many people who have saddle issues, and there are some bad saddles out there, but they're typically fit-related. Like I wouldn't go saddle shopping until I have my fit dialed. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, because um, we used to do bike tours in San Francisco with a company called Wheel Escapes, and we have these groups of 200, 300 people sometimes. And they always wanted their saddle low so the uh, feet could touch the ground. We keep trying to explain to them, no, you want your saddle higher because so you can ride the bike properly versus having your knees in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really so. tough because that that I mean, depending on the size of the person and their mobility, that that kind of drastically too high to drastically too low. The, I mean, the sweet spot is probably 15 millimeters. The the kind of the outside, like you're well, like this is wrong, is probably I would say maybe two and a half for an average height person, maybe three centimeters where like, that's not, I mean, if you're visually just moving a seat up three centimeters, is it's very easy to go too far. If you're just grabbing a seat post on the side of the road and moving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And I, I guess I think I, one thing I didn't touch on, if I can kind of add it to this part of the conversation there is the ability for a human review so that the AI the automated review does a lot. Sometimes you can still get a little bit lost in the adjustment. So we do have, it's $35 more and uh, myself or my partner will review your fit and make recommendations on kind of what's going on there. The biggest thing we see with that is typically like hood angle or handlebar position. That's tough for the computer vision to kind of pick up what's going on there. Okay, uh, And that's something that a lot of people don't get right and it's kind of hard to adjust on your own hood position so it's something that we can kind of talk you through and to make recommendations on as well so if you you try it we have a money back guarantee if you try it and you're not happy we recommend getting the human review and if you're still not happy fine we'll give you your money back and you can go see a, a person you know a human for the whole process and that might get you there as well all right yeah, cool well that was great yeah, I'm glad we. Uh, I forgot to mention the the human review aspect. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else? That kind of touches on everything. Okay, great. To the extent that we generate more questions than we expected, then you know we could follow up. Of course. Jesse, thanks so much for taking some time to be with Glenn and I here on the Wise Athletes Podcast. My pleasure. It was great speaking to both of you. Yeah, very interesting technology, and I'm glad I found you. Great. Uh, I'm glad you came by and gave it a try. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to our discussion about My MyVeloFit with Jesse Jarjor. It's an amazing piece of technology that I predict will be a great addition to your toolkit. Be sure to check out the show notes for more details and the My MyVeloFit website. And if you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, 
and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.